You're listening to Radio ISO, the podcast bringing you notes from isolation and stories about the people we're missing. I'm your host, Emily Sargent. Today I spoke to cultural producer Toby Sheramarteng about the impact of the pandemic on live theatre and what her hopes are for its future. It's been a very um, draining couple weeks, to be honest, just emotionally, mentally. Um, So, yeah, I'm I'm trying to take the time this weekend to have a bit of downtime, whatever that looks like. It's hard to, yeah, it's hard to know what that really looks like, especially since I've been at home a lot anyway because of COVID and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um so just having to like set new boundaries and (laughs) and figure out how to um de-stress from everything that's happening at the moment but yeah it's been really tough yeah it's it's such a strange time for this to be happening because as you say you're yeah you're just kind of existing completely at home and there's no especially when so much is happening online now. There are just no boundaries. I was really excited that you were happy to come on because I really wanted to speak to somebody who works in the creative arts and works in theatre because it feels like such a critical moment for us to have the arts exist as a way of expression and storytelling. Um, And it's also the moment when it's most under threat so I suppose I just wanted to find out how how you were feeling about that, kind of what your perspective was on it, what you feel the importance of theatre is for you as an individual and for society. And obviously to talk about the Black Ticket Project as well, because that's such an incredible thing to have created at, a, at what feels like as well such a, a young age. Cool. Yeah, I'm easy to, to start um anywhere I was 18 when I first got like my first full-time job um in the arts as an apprentice mm-hmm. um at Batsy Arts Centre um but I was 16 when I joined Oval House um which is now Brixton House as a, a young associate so it was just sort of an attachment to them for a year um learning about this space about all the different sort of sorts of roles and jobs in the sector um and an arts award um at the time you were like paid to be a young associate as well so that was like I guess like my introduction to the space and I feel like I only really kind of recognize in retrospect what I was doing at the time it was just sort of like you know I was 16 I was approached to do something that you get paid every month to do and you learn different things and it was in South London and it was just like, all right, cool, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. But I wouldn't say I intentionally was like, yes, I want to be a producer, mm-hmm. so I'm going to go <laughs> and do this thing. Mm-hmm. But after the first year of the apprenticeship, I was like, okay, cool, this is something that interests me. It's something that's really exciting. It's something 
that is varied enough for me to sort of integrate all the other things that I was interested in mm. um so I'll just keep doing it until <laughs> until I figure out <laughs> if I want to do this or do something else what was your starting point for wanting to set up the black ticket project so with black ticket project um Inuit Ellens's Barbershop Chronicles came to the National Theatre. Um, I think for the f- the first time was in 2017, or maybe 2018. Um, mm-hmm. And it was really exciting. I knew Inuit as as a poet primarily, and so I was really excited to get to see his, I guess, like poetical work in a theatrical form. Um, and you know it's a show that is so culturally specific it's about 12 black men sharing their their experiences of of what it means to be a black man in different countries all over the world um and at the time i hadn't i don't think i'd ever really seen anything like that um so i went to see it with a friend and it was still a very sort of predominantly white audience and I just found that really confusing. I was just sort of like, I don't understand how a show like this, something that is a ritual for lots of black men who, you know, spend their Saturdays in the barbers. Um, And I sat in barbershops a lot with like my brothers and my dad growing up, but those people weren't represented in the the audience members that were seeing this work. Mm. Um, And so me and a couple of friends bought 30 tickets and I put out a tweet and I just sort of said does anyone work with young black men who would want to see this kind of show and just get and just distribute them and gave them out and that was kind of it um and then after that Nine Night by Natasha Gordon um came back to the National Theatre in the same space that Barbershop was in and um I contacted the National and said this is what I did for Barbershop I want to do the same for Nine Night but I want to do it on a sort of different scale and I want the National to be involved in this work because ultimately I don't work for the organisation you know I don't I'm not their outreach manager or or anything like that so Mm. but this is something that is going to probably benefit the National as an organisation not just because of they're quote unquote diverse numbers of people coming through the doors, but also the word of mouth that spreads after that, um, that contributes to ticket sales and all of this kind of jazz. And so they subsidised a bunch of tickets and I put out a crowdfunder for the rest, which just gained like a ridiculous level of traction. And originally, I think we were trying to raise money for 50 black and people to see um, the show and we raised enough money for 250 and people to see the show um and then people just kept saying that they wanted something like that and you know people were suggesting oh if you set up something monthly like I would donate to it and a lot a lot of it was spurred from just like the community of people that were supporting the work and felt that it was necessary um and so so yeah it just kind of grew from from there some people did get in touch with me and just and said that they really enjoyed it and for for the barbershop all of the people seeing it it was the first time that they were going to the theater as well and so for me it was like 
cool like this is the show that sets the presidents you know like this Mm. is the show that you mirror other shows on this is the one that you reflect back to and you know everything starts from here rather than starting from Shakespeare or some other dead white man that's when he comes in (laughs) (laughs) your your reference is Inua Ellens who's very much alive (laughs) very much you know accessible and it's a work that is very culturally specific to you yeah um and I just thought that was so cool like I I imagine if I imagine if my reference to to theatre started in the same way I would I would look at the sector completely differently the aim is just sort of like here's a ticket see the work and feel how you want to feel about the work and if you want to share that then that's fine and people have done that in different ways like I've had blogs written that have been sent back to me and that's been really beautiful but there's also no pressure to feel like you have to like the work because you've been given a ticket and and all the sort of I don't know all the stuff that that's it's like a weird power dynamic that's wrapped up in that where yeah if you if you don't go to the theatre often and you get a ticket you feel like you have to like the work and if you don't it's because it's because of you it's because you didn't understand it or because this isn't you know your space Mm. and therefore you're wrong Mm -hmm. in your opinion of not liking the work when the play could just be really bad yes Um, (laughs) so yeah yeah it is it's funny I always think that when I read reviews and I think there's um I wonder how many people are saying that they enjoyed it because they feel that that's the right opinion to have. Um, yeah. And I always think this with little kids as well because they give such like searingly honest reviews of things. <laughs> and I always yeah. think, actually, you're probably thinking what most of the adults in this room are secretly thinking about this. <laughs> I wonder what you thought you saw as the, the primary positive effects on all young people so basically what what they gain from engaging with art and culture and having the opportunity to be be creative themselves you know is it that they are able to kind of engage with their own emotions more what do you see as as the key things that art can give young people mm, I think it's, it's interesting talking about um impact that you know access to the arts brings certain communities and I think when we talk about that what we're really talking about is the institution of the arts because Mm. a lot of the people that aren't necessarily accessing theatre spaces or cultural spaces um, are surrounded by art and culture every day of their lives it's embedded into their cultures it's in their homes Um, it's in the school playgrounds it's on the bus with their friends like they access that everywhere else except for these institutions Um, and so there's this like really funny sort of myth that you know young people aren't accessing art until they step into a a theatre space and then all of a sudden it's being given to them whereas Mm. actually they're being surrounded by it all the time but it's not being defined as art um, through the same lens that you would define a theatre show that's on the stage of the old Vic Mm -hmm. Um, and there are very obvious reasons for that Um, and so I feel like I guess with in relation to Black Ticket Project and the kind of shows that they were seeing there a lot of it was also trying to show them the 
the theatrics and the art that exists in their everyday lives mm. and that exists just in their cultures when you see a show like nine night which is based on something that is is a cultural tradi- tradition that happens all the time all you're really seeing is the 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 art in that and the theatrics of that and it's I guess like an affirmation of of things that you you engage with all the time anyway um and as opposed to sort of saying you know if if you don't engage with things that look like this then it isn't art or it isn't cultural or or it doesn't have cultural significance Mm -hmm. um I guess like there are there are tangible things when you sort of look at lots of programs that engage young people in different ways where we talk about confidence building and we talk about you know getting to know other people outside of your immediate circles and these things are really important for for growth and just like wider understanding of the world and and life and our own personal thoughts and opinions and Mm. sometimes these are the spaces where you're first asked you know what do you think about that how did you feel about that what do you want to do um and those questions are important and it's important that they're not asked all the time everywhere um but it can be kind of freeing to have the space to be asked those questions and really think critically like oh okay actually what do I want to do how did I feel about that mm-hmm. um and to be able to to learn the tools of um you know voicing your opinion and being heard and being heard in the ways that you want to be heard as well um so yeah there are lots of like really beautiful things about engaging with the arts as an institution but I don't think that should be mixed with sort of like the the day-to-day creativity that these communities are already living in you shouldn't have to make the case to see yourself represented on stage like I am a human being. <laughs> there is literally no reason why I should not be able to see myself represented in these institutions mm-hmm. uh, as long as I'm alive, as long as my culture is alive, mm. um, as long as my stories are alive. Um, we shouldn't have to fight so much to justify the why of that. Why is this important? Why is it important that black young people go to the theatre? It's just like, you don't ask that about anything else. Like. Yeah you know it should just it should just be does this moment feel significantly different for you do you think that we are about to see bigger change than we have done before i, I hope so um that the energy does feel different and i feel like that's a mix of of lots of different things i don't necessarily think it's because everyone is suddenly aware of the ills of white supremacy and anti-blackness and racism um I think you know there are lots of I think there are lots of ramifications of COVID-19 and like the effect that that's had on lots of communities Mm. um and this happening in the middle of that kind of pandemic Mm. when you think about you know at the moment a lot of people aren't working um a lot of people are spending more time online or or watching the news or just being more involved in the world Mm -hmm. as things are happening um and I think that's definitely contributed to like what we're seeing on this massive scale um of how this information has spread and these protests have spread um and people just being sick and tired of of everything that has built up to this point you know um 
these we can we can map protesting and rioting back to the 90s the 80s the 70s the 60s it's not a new format um but i i I do hope that something does come out of this particular moment um and um angela davies was talking about how this is exciting for her and i'm like cool if it's exciting for angela davies then something (laughs) something must be happening and that's cool i can i can vibe with that so i hope so I wondered in this period whether you felt a loss from not having, you know, I don't know what whether you've been able to still do any work in the theatre while we've been in lockdown or whether everything's sort of been put on hold and how that experience had been for you. Yeah, it's been strange. I guess there's been a lot of reckonings about my work and the work that I enjoy and the work that I want to do. And this whole pandemic is the antithesis to, to the entire sector, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, I guess, maybe shows a lack of innovation when it comes to the way that we view what theatre is and what theatre can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it not necessarily just being married to the stage. Um, so there's been a lot of questioning. I, I was working on some projects with communities in Brixton um, and all of those have been postponed until next year at some point. Um, so it's been, yeah, it's been hard to sort of sit and think. And I, I guess also like seeing the fragility of the sector as well, which a lot of people are talking about it in terms of the pandemic, but really it's a consequence of over a decade of, of cuts um, mm. to the sector which has brought us here and if it wasn't the pandemic it would have probably been something else you know Mm. um so just to put even the possibility of like half a sector being wiped out because of this is is that something I'm trying to wrap my head around and it's insane and even like my friends that aren't in the sector are calling me and they're just sort of like this is wild right and I'm like yeah no it is wild (laughs) um but also, you know, wondering if this is a sector that I want to stay in, if there are other spaces I want to infiltrate and um, infiltrate, <laughs> become a part of and, and work in and, you know, just sort of, there's a lot of, a lot of questioning, but I do, I do miss like the community of people that, you know, I would be surrounded, I would be surrounded by and I do miss walking into a theatre and just seeing other people mm. um and and the 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 love and the joy in all of that so are there any particular people friends that you work with regularly that you've been missing yeah <laughs> um yeah there's um Solo, who works with me at Brixton House, who we always have a very long embrace every time we see each other. Mm. Obviously, haven't been able to hug anyone. Um, and Millie Batia, and so just so many, just people that you see and they immediately just like make you feel good. Mm. You know, um, I just really miss that exchange of energy. Yeah. Um, when you're, you know, in your house pretty much all the time by yourself 
um there's only so much you can get from phone calls and FaceTime and mm-hmm. and Zoom and all this other stuff. I know. I um I actually hugged someone for the first time last night, which I probably shouldn't say because I think it's illegal or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it felt so like nourishing. <laughs> I just realised I've been desperate to, to to feel that for so long. It was just. It was a friend's birthday and, and when we left, I don't know, I was a bit drunk and someone was like, are we hugging or not? And I was like, yeah, let's just do it. And it just, it was amazing. And you kind of, you know, we are animals. That's what we're supposed to do. It feels so weird to not have that mm. physical contact. Mm. How do you think it's going to feel the first time you get to see them again? Oh, my God. I don't, I don't, I feel like I might genuinely cry. I feel like the embraces are definitely going to be very long. Mm. Um, and I've already said to all my friends, I'm going to be hugging them for a very long time when we finally get to see each other. But I, I sort of, I thrive on that physical connection and that physical exchange of energy. And so it's actually been really draining to, to not have that. Yeah. Um, and it not be like my choice to not have that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm really, I'm really just looking forward to seeing people and just smiling at people and being like, oh my god, I haven't seen you in so long, and those hugs and those small chats and those catch ups and mm-hmm. yeah, I want to do, I just want to do it all with all my friends. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's so it's the it's just interesting thinking about the that energy thing because I haven't been going on zoom for the last couple of months and I just I knew that I hated it but I just don't think I'd really like worked out why <laughs> and I think it's just because so much is you, you don't like if you're with a group of friends it, there's there is this like electricity to it that just it doesn't it's just so flat doing everything online and all the yeah. kind of non-verbal stuff and you can't have proper eye contact with anyone and yeah I just find myself sort of checking out of those and it just sort of looks like I'm a, a frozen person on a screen in the corner because I just <laughs> can't be bothered to engage and you were saying this has made you wonder whether you might want to move into a different area of work do you think it's been good for you to have a moment to pause and think about where you might go next um yeah I think so it it feels strange kind of saying that because you know people are dying um people that look like me are dying um but you know there hasn't really been a time where I've been able to to sit down and just like sort things out in my brain it's always sort of like okay cool I've done this project and I've got to start the next one because I've got you know rent to pay and bills to pay and all of this other stuff and you don't really get that space um Mm -hmm. and so I've I've appreciated the the introspection it's also been really hard (laughs) you know um kind of it, it I guess it sometimes it borders on introspection and like um existential crisis so yeah you know that's not fun but it is it has been good to just like really sit down and think about what it is that I want to do Mm -hmm. I wondered if you felt 
like you had been changed by this period at all and if so how mm, that's a good question um I think it's it's really made me sort of take stock of the things that I prioritize and the things that I cherish and the things that I need and the things that I want um there feels it feels like I'm moving into a space that is a bit more concrete with some of those things mm-hmm. um and a bit more unashamed in saying actually this is what I really want mm-hmm. um this is what I really need this is what I would really like to do this is what isn't working for me um and that feels that feels positive mm-hmm. for me um and I guess like the real test will, will be how I exercise that mm-hmm. in in the outside world once you know everyone's hustling and, and bustling again um so I'm sort of enjoying that um I'm enjoying a bit of like self-accountability as well for just like sorting my stuff out and you know like reconnecting with my therapist and mm. um just taking the time to to do the work mm. on myself as well um and you know it's something that I I hope I commit to sus- to sustain him past this point mm-hmm. um so yeah there are quite a few things that I feel have been impacted hopefully for the better mm-hmm. within just myself as, a, as an individual yeah it's it's interesting because I think it's lots of people have, are kind of taking away different stuff from this period of like maybe wanting to live their life differently going forward and I and I'm, I'm certainly feel that in some ways and I don't want all of these what feel like realizations about things I'm doing wrong to just kind of fall by the wayside I wondered if you had any broad hopes for the future of the creative industry you know whether that's film music or theater what you would like to see in terms of improvements and what you would like it to look like over the next few years? I think for for theatre in particular, I really just want us to get out of this hole of quote-unquote tradition and all of these unnecessary things that are slowly killing the sector. You know, when everything was forced to close and things were going up online, a lot of people were sort of saying oh, you know, what if people never want to come back to the theatre because all these shows are now online? And it's sort of like, theatre has a lot more problems than the online space. And actually, mm. you know, why haven't we we been engaging with the digital space? Why have we been running away from it? Like, it's an enemy of the work that we're trying to do. Like, we need to move closer towards what the future is, what we want the future to look like, rather than sort of saying this is theatre and this is how we do things and we only ever do this because that's how people get left out. Um, So I really want to see just more digital innovation, more more cross-cultural and cross-sectorial collaboration as well. Mm. Kind of looking at other sectors and saying, oh, how are they doing that and what can we learn from that? Um, I'd love to see more more sort of co-designing with young people 
as well um on what things look like rather than you know lots of programs and spaces sort of being set up and then you engage on people to do it I, I'd, I'd love to see the sector adopt more models of co-design in that work with the young people mm-hmm. um and yeah just more autonomy and more agency in the work that people make as well I feel like coming out of this for theatre anyway a lot of people are going to want to make work about what's happened yeah. in the last six months and that's cool you know that is what the stage is for but I also just feel like we could be a bit more imaginative in how we use the, sp- the stage to sort of reimagine the way that we want this world to look mm-hmm. um you know and I don't feel like we do that enough um and that's some of that some of that is on organizations as well you know only wanting to commission particular kinds of work um the space to sort of dream and play and imagine isn't necessarily embedded in the process of how we make work and so i'd love to see more of that especially coming out with everything that would have happened over the last year Mm. um i don't necessarily just want people to have to like relive the trauma of you know COVID-19 and that lives matter and everything that's happened I also want people to to be given the space to to reimagine what what the kind of world they want to look like would would be. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think that there is a chance that this is going to result in greater creativity in terms of the way we approach theatre because of the financial struggles and and people not being able to physically sit in a theatre do you think then it might be quite good to have a shake-up because people are going to be forced to think outside the box more than they have um I think we can hope that people do actually take the time to think outside the box um I think another side of it is people just like reverting to what they know and Mm. who they know as well and just sort of saying well I know if I commission this writer, they're going to make us a lot of money. So let's just go with that rather than, yeah. you know, investing in new voices and new work that that has been coming up over this period of time. Um, and I think some organisations might do that and they tend to be smaller companies that aren't like building based um, and smaller organisations that kind of were already doing that work anyway. Mm. And so... I think I'm really looking to the bigger institutions that are more likely to sort of revert back to what they know and who they know and just look at if they're really willing to do that shake up and say, actually, if we need to do things differently, then let's just do the whole thing differently and test it and see if it works. And if it doesn't, cool, we'll try something else. Um, So I hope so. like to tell us about someone you're missing we'd love to hear from you get in touch at radioisopodcast at gmail.com or on instagram at radioisopod <laughs>